want to bring me another one? <laughs> Appreciate it, Kenny. All right. Well, this evening, let's take our Bibles and uh, let's go to this text. It's been on my heart for a couple of days now, I guess, as I've been looking at and thinking of Jonah. But uh, this has been on my heart and mind as I consider him. But Ephesians chapter number 2, all right? Ephesians chapter number 2 is where we'll be. And uh, no, I'm sorry, chapter 4. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, chapter 4 is where we'll be. But, uh, but this text has been on my heart really as considering Jonah because Jonah himself was a man who was, uh, well, he was angry, was he not? We've, we've looked at that a few Sundays, about a month ago, I guess, as we considered him and his anger towards the Lord. But he was an angry man, and really the Lord looked at him twice and said, Doest thou well to be angry? He was really trying to get across a point to him about his anger. And anger, if we're honest with ourselves, is something that we struggle with as well. Not just from time to time. Maybe it's about every day. But I dare say, if I ask to raise a hands, if you struggle with this at all in your life, everybody would raise your hand. Uh, something that we deal with. And, uh, but we need to know how to handle it, how to deal with it. You know, anger is one of those things we could actually probably preach on once a month. And somebody find some help uh, through that uh, subject of study. So I want to look at it again tonight, all right? But not necessarily from the, from the angle of Jonah, but really from the angle of the New Testament as Paul is writing to the Ephesian believers in, in Ephesians chapter number, number 4. And we'll read in verse 26 and 27 in just, in just a moment, all right? But uh, before we look at this text this evening... Uh, just want you to know that there is a difference between uh, righteous anger and, and sinful anger. All right, we'll see it in just a moment. But for many of us, it's the latter that we struggle with. We struggle with the sinful part, the sinful part of, of anger. Uh, that's what we struggle with. And if we struggle with this without it being uh, unchecked, well, it can cause great damage in, in our lives. So understand there's a difference. And we'll see it in just a moment. Let's look at our text this evening, Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 26 and 27. And I'll tell you, as Elizabeth Taylor told her seventh husband, I won't keep you long tonight, all right? So, anyway, that's a terrible joke. I've heard it for a long time now. Still, it's funny every time you think about it, but it really is a bad joke. Anyway, all right. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. The Bible says, Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Our Father, as we consider this text this evening and the subject of anger, I pray that you to help us. Help us to see the definition. Help us to see what it really is. Help us to see that it's the devil that wants to exploit this in our lives and cause great damage. But Lord, there is a way to guard against it. There is a way to fortify our minds and our lives to guard against this damaging tactic, this damaging emotion at times of anger and help us to fortify our minds and our lives against it. We love you. Thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we dive right into it this evening in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26, as we see, it says, be angry and sin not. Understand this. Number one, understand the definition of anger, all right? Simply put, anger is an emotional arousal caused by something that displeases us. And if you get very angry at watching the news, I encourage you, turn it off, all right? 
But it's something that displeases us. And the news can do that every single evening at 6 p.m., okay? But it's something that displeases us. Now, again, it is absolutely possible to, to be angry and not be in sin, such as, the Bible says, righteous indignation. And there's nothing wrong with being angry for a righteous cause. In fact, there are uh, several ways in which... Uh, one can be angry, or there's times that one can be angry for a righteous cause, and that is this way, being angry at sin, all right? Now, that's how you can be angry and sin not, is when you're angry at sin itself, uh, such as if someone harms a little child, right? If someone seduces an innocent little girl or corrupts a young little boy or propagates that kind of perversion, that is horrendously wrong, and I believe it's okay to get righteously indignant against that type of behavior and that individual that does those types of things. Listen, as someone who would hurt my little girl, I promise you uh, my blood pressure will rise up and anger may come out in multiple different ways on an individual who would commit such atrocities, all right? And um, that individual may find themselves with some... Uh, bumps and bruises as they fell down the stairs, okay? Uh, because that's something that's just horrendous, that someone would harm a child. And before you think I'm too harsh on that, understand what Jesus said about the matter. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 17, verse 1 through 2, Then said he unto his disciples, It is possible, it is, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through, through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Um, when you think about that verse and think what Jesus just said, listen, that's some pretty strong language that he is using towards individuals who would harm, offend little children. Sounds like to me that he gets angry at that type of behavior. He's angry at that type of sin. Remember, one day when Jesus went into the temple, and the people were using the temple for their, their selfish and evil gains. The Bible says in Matthew 21, verse 12 through 13, And Jesus went into the temple of God, cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. You know, usually when you see someone flipping over a table, it's not because they were a very uh, mild-mannered in that moment, right? Uh, no, I, I believe he was pretty upset and angry at the evil atrocities and gangs that they were doing there in the temple of God. He was angry at sin. And it's okay to be angry at sin. That's the right time to be angry and sin not when we're angry at sin. But the other one is the one we really struggle with, the sinful anger, that type of anger. That's where our struggle is because many times for us when it comes to anger, our emotions, when we lash out in anger, our emotions are tainted by sin. That's the real struggle. And our self-righteous, sinful anger that we muster up in the flesh, understand that's not righteous. It doesn't work the righteousness of God. The Bible says this in James 1, Verse 19 through 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, 
Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Sometimes we work these things up in our minds or our anger gets the best of us and we think we're doing right, but it's not. That sinful, selfish, unrighteous anger is the sinful anger that we struggle with. And a good picture of this will be Moses in the wilderness. If you remember Moses, the Bible says he was the meekest of all the earth, right? Uh, meek, meekness, by the way, was not weakness. Moses was no um, sissified man whatsoever, okay? He was a man's man, it really was. Uh, but the Bible says about him one time where he, the anger got the best of him. Uh, the people came to Moses complaining, yet again they had no water. They had no food. And so he was so fed up with their complaining, so fed up with their murmuring, even after God told him to just speak to the rock and water will come out, right? That rock is a picture of Christ. You speak to him because the first time they came to the rock, he was smitten. That rock was, he smote the rock, right? Again, a picture of Christ being smitten upon the cross. But he said, speak to it the second time. But him, but Moses, so, so angry at these people, what did he do? The Bible says he smote the rock twice. And the Bible says this, in Numbers 20, verse 10 through 11, And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said unto them, here's what Moses said to them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? Don't sound like a very meek man, does it? He's very agitated and angry. And Moses lifted up his hand, and with the, his rod he smote the rock twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. But in this moment, this anger, this sinful anger clouded his mind so bad that it caused him to disobey the Lord. And it cost him, really, this moment cost him the promised land, setting foot on the promised land he was looking forward to for so many years. But it was because of anger. So understand there is a difference between uh, righteous indignation and sinful anger. But how can we be angry and sin not when we are angry at sin? That's how. All right. So there's a definition. There's a definition. Now I want to see this, okay? I want to see number two, the manifestation. And now anger, it can manifest itself in different ways. And the main way that anger comes out in our lives is through our speech. It's kind of interesting as we look in Ephesians chapter 4 here. The next door neighbor to this verse of chapter, uh, um, chapter 4, uh, this verse of 26 and 27, the next door neighbor is verse number 25. But look at it with me. The Bible says, and I'm going to stop uh, right before a word, and you say the next word. All right, after I stop, say the next word. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And then he says, be ye angry, sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. So the neighbor to anger here is our speech. It's our tongue. And whenever anger controls us, do you know what will happen? We'll let someone know about it. We'll tell someone off. We'll cuss them out. We'll spout off. And many times use words to let them know how angry we are in conjunction with our anger. And listen, this right here, the, the, our anger and spouting off without thinking about it, listen, that is a dangerous combination. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, verse 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's dangerous. 
anger and its combination with our speech can be very deadly and dangerous. Let's go on to a few verses in verse number uh, 31, just a few verses over. Again there, he again speaks about anger and wrath and what follows that. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Let's just start in verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger. Here's what follows anger. You ready? Look at it with me. It says, and clamor. What is clamor? Well, we don't say that a lot. And with our modern speech today, someone's clamorous, but it means an outcry. It means loud, boisterous yelling. That's what it means. Then it says this, evil speaking. Oh, what is that? Well, the Greek word is blasphemia, right? It means to blaspheme, to slander, to purposely injure someone else's name. These are very serious things here, very serious words. But what precede these words is the emotion of sinful anger. Because after that comes clamor, evil speaking. All these things follow, follow anger. So usually when someone is angry, it shows in what they say and how they say it. That's how it manifests itself, through our speech, with our tongue. Remember what James said about our tongue? He wrote nearly the whole chapter on it. In James chapter number 3, let me read it to you. The Bible says in James 3, 1 through 12, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. Able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. Behold, also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven of fierce winds, yet they turn about with a very small helm. Whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter. A little fire kindleth, and the tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members that defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. Unruly evil, full of deadly poison, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made of the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, listen to this. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Don't you think that the individuals he's writing to struggled with their tongue because, again, anger? No doubt they did. So, as you picture what James was saying here, as the Holy Spirit really is trying to paint when it comes to using our tongues and our words and our speech, in a wrong way, he uses these words. He uses these, these words, these phrases. It's a, our tongue is a world of iniquity, meaning it has no end to the wrong and wickedness that it can bring. And then he says our tongue is set on fire of hell, meaning the wicked words in which we can speak, its origin is from the depths of the pit of hell. And he says it's an unruly evil, evil that, that, that cannot be restrained, evil that cannot be taken back, and it's full of deadly poison. There was a, there was a woman who tried to defend her bad temper to, to her family. She said, when I, when I get angry, I just, I, I just explode and just get it all over with. And uh, the family member looked back at her and said, yeah, just like a shotgun. Look what the damage it does. Listen, so many times that can be us with our speech. We're not careful. 
especially lash out in anger. Our verbal explosions can do more damage than we can ever imagine and realize. Again, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So it does matter what we say. Words that are fueled with anger or by anger can cause nothing but destruction and great damage. And according to the Bible, as we just read a couple of times, even death itself. So let me ask you a question this evening. How you been speaking? How you been speaking to family? How you been speaking to your spouse, to your kids, co-workers? How have you been speaking? Because it matters. It does matter. Anger, it manifests itself many times in our speech, but it can also manifest itself in our actions as well. Again, verse 31, Ephesians chapter 4. He says this, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. With all malice. Now what is malice? Well, malice is simply this. It's a desire to injure somebody. It's a desire to hurt someone. It's a wickedness that is, that is not afraid to break law. So malice really is this. It's when you have allowed anger to take you so far that the words you have spoken to the individual who has angered you, that uh, those words are not sufficient. They're, they don't satisfy your wrath any longer. So, so you want to go to the point that you're going to physically harm them. That's what malice is. Even to the point of, I'm going to kill them. Ooh. Anger can get that out of control and that far? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But what leads to that? What leads to malice? Anger. What leads to someone want to kill someone? Anger. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 21 through 22. You have heard that it has been said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill and whosoever shall, shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rakah, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hell fire. I understand anger is the first step towards murder. It really is. This is how serious anger can be. You can find a great illustration found for us in Genesis chapter 4, at 1 and following, when Cain killed his brother. He murdered his brother. Why? Because Cain was very, the Bible uses this word, wroth. He was so angry. Really, he was angry. Uh, it came out towards Abel, but he was really angry, Cain that is, at God. And so he killed his own brother and slew him slew him but how did that start he's so mad he's so angry and the words would not suffice anymore so he went to physical harm and malice came out and killed his own brother so listen with anger if we if we let it control us we'll say things we wish we never never had you ever said something you wish you never had yeah, me too. All right. But anger, if we allow it to control us, we'll say things we wish we never did. We'll do things we wish we could take back, but once they're gone, once they're done, once the words fly out of our mouth, can't take them back. Can't take them back. 
Therefore, don't let ang- anger control you. That's how it manifests itself. Through our speech and through our actions, absolutely. And then I want to see this, number three, the exploitation of anger. Now, as I think of this word exploit, what does it really mean? Well, it means this. It means to make use of meanly or unfairly. Make use, make use for one own, one's own advantage. That, that's what it means to exploit. It's a manipulation, all right? And I want you to know there's someone who just loves to see people so angry who fly off the handle and just, and just let someone burn with rage. And when they see that individual so burning with rage and so angry and so mad, they profit, have an advantage, and manipulate to their gain. They have an advantage in that fight and in the spiritual warfare, he's the only one that profits. And do you know who's the only one that profits from us being so angry in a sinful way? Look at verse 27. Again, when I stop, you say the next word, all right? Verse 27, Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says this. Neither give place to the... He's the one. He's the one that profits. He's the one that exploits. He's the one that gains any advantage. It is, it is Satan. Your adversary, my adversary, the devil. And when Satan finds a believer with the sparks of anger in their heart, he will fan those sparks like a, like a hot coal and just try to have a humongous flame to burn. He'll even cause or put fuel on that fire to see a huge flame begin to burn because he knows what that fire of anger the damage it can bring. Understand sinful anger gives the place a devil, or gives a devil, gives the devil a place in your life. It gives a place to him. And the word place here in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27, the word place here gives the idea of an opportunity, right? An opportunity or, or a workplace or a workspace. That's kind of what he's given here. It's like you're giving the devil an operation place. You're saying, all right, here's a corner of my life. Go ahead and do your, do your best, Satan. That's giving a place to the devil. It's like an office space in the corner. Let me ask you a question. In, in a war, would it be a good idea to allow a spy of the enemy into your most protected briefing room of your military operations? Would that be a great idea, yes or no? Probably not, right? Probably not. Let me ask you this. Would you ever invite your adversary, the devil, into your life and home? Would you ever welcome him into your living room and say, all right, come on in. Take the captain's chair, a.k.a. the lazy boy right here to my left. That is your place. Have a seat. Right there is your spot. Would you ever do that? I would say probably not. That's kind of weird if you did. All right. However... When we get so angry in a sinful way, that's exactly what we do. Anger gives a place to the devil to work, an opportunity for him to get into your life, an opportunity to get him his, his grubby little nasty hands into your marriage, into the lives of your children, in your home. When we just lash out in anger all the time. But don't let him. Don't let them in. Don't give in to that sinful anger. Don't give in to that pound of flesh because this is exactly what the devil wants so he can get the advantage in our life. 
The devil will exploit this weakness, this sin, this downfall in our lives to try to shake us up and to swallow us down. Why? He's always looking. Always looking. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He'll use any way and advantage and place that he can just to do just to do that. And the only person who wins when we lash out in sinful anger is the devil himself. And many times the ones who lose are the very ones we love the most, the want to protect the most. And they're the ones that are harmed in the crossfire type of thing. So we've seen the definition, the manifestation, the, and how the devil wants to exploit the exploitation. And last, I want to see this. When it comes to anger, this is where we need to really focus in, all right? The fortification. Meaning, how can we defend against this? We struggle with this. This is something good people struggle with. But how can we defend against the sinful type of rage and anger? How can we guard ourselves against this? How can we fortify against anger? What can I do? Well, as in any battle, in any warfare, we have to use the Weapons that are, are at our disposal, the weapons of our warfare, right? As the Bible says, and one of the best weapons we have to use in this warfare is the very Word of God itself. Listen to what the Bible says about itself. Again, go over, a uh, page over probably in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6, all right? Ephesians chapter 6, and look at verse number, verse number 17. Ephesians, Ephesians uh, Okay, Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, when it comes to the Word, Word, in Scripture, there are two main Greek words for, for the word Word, all right? And uh, the first one is the word logos, and it's used to describe all of the Bible, the completed word, the completed canon of Scripture. Uh, you'll find that in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, Logos, and the word, Logos, was with God, and the word was God. John 1, 14, and the word was made flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Acts 6, 7, and the word of God increased. Number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Acts 19, verse 20, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is a cern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Revelation 19, 13, and he was clothed, the vesture dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. All those instances there in those scriptures where you see the word, word, that is logos. Now, there are many others too, by the way, we can go and look at. But for time's sake, I didn't want to quote them or, or read them all to you, all right? But that's what it is. That's the entirety of, of scripture. But when you come to Ephesians 6, it's different. It's not talking about taking the whole entirety of Scripture. Rather, it's talking about this word, Rima. 
The Greek word rima here, all right? And this word rima is used not to describe the, the entire word of God, but rather it's used to describe an utterance or a, a word or a phrase or a saying or a small portion of Scripture, a sentence, or here it is, a verse. And that's what he's using here, all right? This is the word rhema. It's a verse. And it is this word, this sword of the Spirit, this rhema that we're to use in fortifying ourselves, defending against the damaging scheme of the devil and exploiting our anger. That's how we defend against it. By using the word of God, by memorizing verses, by memorizing the rima of God, that's how we fortify ourselves. If we really want to defend against this anger, if it's something that we struggle with and you really want victory over and you really want to defend against it, then listen, we're going to have to put some effort in memorizing verses that help us in this area. Maybe there's different areas you struggle with. Find verses that will help you and memorize those verses. That's how we fortify against it and defend against these uh, uh, schemes of the devil, how he wants to use us and our, use our downfalls against us to hurt us and damage our lives, right? Fortify it by memorizing the Word of God. Psalm 119, verse 9, 9 through 11. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments. Here it is, thy word. Have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. So if we really want to guard against anger, hide God's word in your heart. How do you do that? By memorizing it. Memorizing the scripture. And you can do that. Now, what are some good verses to memorize? Well, again, back in our text, Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 26 through 27. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. That's a good one to memorize. Memorize those verses right there. Because, listen, maybe you come home from a bad day at work. The kids are going crazy. Ain't that a blessing? You're tempted to fly off the handle and just yell at everyone to sit down and shut up. I mean, I know you're Christian enough, you would never do that, all right? I, you would never do that. I know, I know. But you're tempted to, right? <sighs> but if you have this verse memorized, God will bring, bring it to your memory. And maybe in that moment, what you need to do is simply quote it. Oh, everybody's going crazy, you're like, uh, oh. Be angry and sin not. You know, maybe your family will start thinking you're preaching, you know. But, but maybe this is quoted out loud. But it'll help you. This is very practical stuff to defend and fortify against anger. Memorize his scriptures. Memorize his scriptures. Listen, we fight the devil with what? The sword of the spirit. Fight the temptation with what? The sword of the spirit. But why? Because we're all in a spiritual battle. Every one of us. Do you know how you fight spiritual battles? Spiritually. <laughs> the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what is one of those weapons of our spiritual warfare? It's the sword of the Spirit. Rima of God. That's how we fortify. 
That's how we guard against this. That's how we fight against this anger that sometimes can just, just take over our lives and take over our minds and take over our emotions. We just want to lash out and have our pound of flesh. Let everybody know it. Just like a shotgun. Just does so much damage, though. Memorize these verses. Proverbs 14, 29, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. James 1, 19 through 20, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Maybe that very that, that phrase there, the, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Maybe you need to memorize that. And when you're tempted to fly off the handle, just quote that to yourself and say it out loud. James, I'm sorry, Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Proverbs 16, 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Listen, there's so many verses we can look at when it comes to defending against this anger, sinful anger in our lives that can happen. There's so many verses. And listen, this is something I struggle with. I did, even as a, as a teenager. And even met somebody today I went to high school with, hadn't seen him since high school. And the first thing out of his mouth is, is this. Man, last time I saw you, you put your hand through a window. And I'm like, yep, Lord changed my life, man. That's <laughs> great, you know. So, yes, I'm not going to tell you that story from the pulpit. But anyway, just, just know I wasn't always a preacher, okay. And like I said, your pastor's not perfect, all right. But, but all I'm saying is a very angry individual. Struggle with it. And I know I've told you this before, but the verse that God used in my life to help me with this is this verse in Ecclesiastes, verse, chapter 7, verse number 9. When the Bible says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. And as I was reading through the Bible and came across this verse, it was like God just smacked me in the chest, right upside the head. Not literally, you understand what I'm saying, but... It just smacked me upside the head with the, with the Holy Spirit conviction. It was like as if he was saying to me, not audibly, I'm not being weird, I'm just saying, all right? But he was saying, look, Philip, if you're going to continue in your anger, you're going to do some very foolish things that you're going to regret. Therefore, be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. For anger rests in the bosom of fools. So God has helped me with that. Have I been perfect ever since? God's helped me in that, with that verse on that day? No. But it's helped me not be as foolish at other times. It has fortified me at other times when I wanted to lash out and be a fool. But God's helped me with it. So if you want to fortify against anger, we have to take the rhema of God, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, and hide it in our heart. Listen, anger, if we allow it to just take over and control us, and cloud our judgment and cloud our mind, it will cause us to do some very foolish things, just as it did many people in Scripture, including the very man we've been studying for some time, Jonah. He did some foolish things, said some foolish things, acted foolishly. Why? It's anger. But we must defend against it. We have to fortify against this type of emotion. Of anger. Memorize scripture. Fight this spiritual battle spiritually with the sword of the spirit, which is the word, the rhema, the word of God. So you're struggling with it? 
Memorize these verses. I'll be happy to give them to you. Maybe you can find some more. Maybe you have something you, you can share with me. But memorize these verses. And you begin to fortify, to guard, to defend against this sinful anger. As the Bible says again, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. We're all in a spiritual battle. All of us. But to fight it, you must fight it spiritually with the sword of the Spirit. And don't give place to 